Let's begin reading in the 46th chapter of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 46, we'll begin at verse 1, getting close to the end of our study here in the book of Genesis, but still so many important lessons for us. Genesis chapter 46, and we'll begin at verse 1. So Israel took his journey. Of course, remember, that's Jacob's name that God gave him. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And so he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. In these opening verses here of this chapter 46, we see an important link between the past and the present and the future. Too many times the younger generation, and we've all been in that category at some point, the younger generation tends to despise and reject the faith of their parents and their grandparents, and that's old-fashioned and that's no longer relevant uh, to our time and our day. Um, but it's important for us to understand that a genuine faith in God, faith that is through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, it'll give us an understanding that our God is eternal, that his plans and his purposes are eternal, and they don't need updating. They don't change because they're true, always have been and always will be. The things that Jacob was experiencing in his life were directly related to the promises that God made Abraham and then passed on down to Isaac. The fact that God was preserving Jacob and his family through this this worldwide famine, at least in the known world, the known region. God was protecting Jacob and providing for him based on the promises that God made to Abraham, promises of grace. But Jacob was now benefiting from those very promises that were made to his grandfather. So it's important for the, the next generation to understand that to ignore or to not fully appreciate the faith of those that have gone before you, whether they be directly related to you or just the generation of believers that, that preceded you, to ignore their faith and to think that it has no relevance to your faith today is really to ignore the working of God. The same God that worked in their life in the past is the same God that is working in your life today, that wants to work in your life, if we will let him. I serve the same God that Abraham served, that Isaac served, that Jacob served. I worship the Christ that my great-grandfather worshiped. Now, I can't live my life by their faith, but I can value the heritage that they have left of a life of what it means to truly believe God, to trust God, and to surrender our will to his. Their God is forever holy. My God is holy, perfect, faithful to fulfill all of his promises. He made some specific promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And that God, their God, in the past, 
showed himself to be faithful to fulfill the promises he made to to them, and he's still fulfilling them. But that same faithful God is my God. And under the revelation that I have from from the gospel of Jesus Christ, that same God is actually now my Father. I have the privilege to call him Father. The plans and the purposes that God revealed to the Apostle Paul way back yonder. The Bible, a lot of people think, no longer has any relevance for today. Those same revelations that God gave Paul are the revelations that the Holy Spirit has given me. They haven't changed. They're they're still faithful. And this eternal God from the past is eternally the same. And yet, for each generation, his faithfulness is new and fresh to those who will believe. God started out and said, Jacob, I am the God of your father. But then notice he also calls Jacob by name, Jacob. Jacob, a very personal God in the present for for Jacob. Yes, he was Abraham's God, still is. In the New Testament, we we see that God is revealed as I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't say I was because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are now in the presence of God. They're still living. He's eternal, and yet he's new and fresh for every generation. Jacob, Jacob, he called him by name. But then he also refers to the, makes reference to the future. I will make you a great nation, but I will also be a blessing to your descendants. They will become a great nation. And so the faithfulness of God is from past, it's in the present, and it'll be in the future. And we need to remember that. But having said that, if we're going to personally benefit from the faithfulness of this eternal God, we need a personal faith. I mentioned my great-grandfather, who left me quite a a heritage of righteousness and of sound doctrine and of a godly testimony. And I value that. But I can't worship and serve the Lord based on my great-grandfather's faith. I have to make it personal. He's now my God. Several times in the psalm, the psalmist refers to my God. It has to be personal. We can't serve the Lord with the faith of our parents or our grandparents, but we have to have a personal understanding that Jesus died for me and that he's promised me all the provisions that were paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God is my God. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, my shepherd, my provider. That's one of the psalms that the psalmist David wrote. The the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, knowing that, I won't lack any good thing. I shall not want. God's plans and faithfulness were not going to die with, they didn't die with Abraham. They weren't going to die with Isaac. And God made it clear to Jacob, my promises My purposes aren't going to die with you either. I will continue to fulfill all of these promises to the next generation. God will do the same in our life. Well, let's go on to verse 5 of Genesis 46. Verse 5. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones, and their wives in the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt, Jacob and all of his descendants with him. 
his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now these were the names of the children of Israel, Jacob and his sons who went to Egypt. Reuben was Jacob's firstborn. And the list begins. But God had been faithful to, uh, this is a record of, of how God had been faithful to Jacob to multiply his family as the beginning of a great nation. And all of these names that are going to be listed here are going to be blessed because of their heritage, their connection with Jacob. All that God had promised Jacob and his descendants, it was because of these promises of grace that were given to Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. God is fulfilling, he's fulfilled already many of his promises to Jacob, but he's going to continue through his descendants. Now we're going to skip the following verses of names of Jacob's descendants here, not because they're not important, but simply to spare you from the torture of my pronunciations of all these names. But when you have a chance, go through them and you'll, you'll see a lot of connections through the rest of scripture. But these, these names are establishing the tribes of the nation of Israel and their connection, their direct connection to Jacob and therefore their connection to the blessings that were given to Jacob. And so the, this is, this was of utmost importance, the, the lineages that are spelled out here for the tribes of the nation of, of Israel. It's important for us in this church age to understand that the rights and the privileges and the blessings that we have as the children of God are because of our direct connection to Jesus Christ. He is the channel through which all of the blessings of God flow to us. Whenever we make a claim to the blessing of God, this is the way it was with, with the tribes of Israel. They had certain rights and privileges, and that included the inheritance of land once they got into to the land of Canaan. I have a right, because this was the promise made to God to Jacob, and then on to us as his descendants. They, they made claims based on their connection to Jacob. In this church age, we can make claims to the blessings of God because of our connection of Jesus Christ. My God shall supply all my needs according to whose riches in Christ Jesus through him. He's the connection. So we'll skip verses nine through about, what is it? 20 skip through 25 and we'll pick up again at verse 26, Genesis 46 and verse 26. All the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt, who came from his body besides Jacob's sons, wives were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two persons. And all the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70. So this was the group that started out that seed that would grow into the mighty nation that would later become the nation, the nation of Israel. Verse 28. Then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way of Goshen, and they came to the land of Goshen. And to me, it's interesting now the confidence that Jacob is now showing in, in Judah. Remember, Judah was the one that decided that let, let's sell Joseph into Egypt. And we saw the process that 
Joseph and God took Judah through repentance where he finally came to a full understanding of his sin and accountability. And he turned from that and then was willing to lay down his life for, for Benjamin if it was necessary. And so now we see how God has restored him to a place of prominence. And even Jacob, can you imagine when they came back from Egypt and they told Jacob that Joseph was alive and Jacob had trouble believing it, I can't believe it. Well, we don't read what happened next. And that, that, that is part of my curiosity is the time and, and, and the scene when Judah had to say how Joseph got there. Can you imagine telling your father, we threw him in a pit and we sold him? And yet, because of the the true repentance, we see that even Jacob now is showing confidence in Judah to take the lead and to begin this transition into the, the land of Egypt. The tribe of Judah, the tribe that would descend from Judah, will be transformed into the true meaning of, of the name of Judah, which is praise. And this is God's grace that is able to transform a vile sinner into vessels that bring him glory and praise. It, God's grace did that for Judah, and he can do it for whosoever will put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we need to remember that, that power. Uh, again, if, if I had been dealing with Judah, it had been hard for me to ever deal with him ever again. And yet we see the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Joseph, but also of Jacob, his father. So we need to imitate that same divine love that is not natural to any of us, but it is available to us if we will simply yield to it. Verse 29, Genesis 46. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel, and he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. This is about the fifth time that we've read that Joseph wept. This this man is a very tender man. And, and stop and think about everything he's gone through. If anything would harden you in life, would be, it would be the experiences that Joseph had. But we see his constant tenderness. And he's weeping for joy, of course, here for finally seeing his, his, uh, father. We need to learn to, to be sensitive as well. And part of who we are are our emotions. Now we don't live by our emotions. We don't make decisions by our emotions, but God gave us those emotions. So in and of himself, they are not sin, but we should always Conduct ourselves by faith. Conduct ourselves according to God's direction and his instruction in the word of God. And that our emotions would only allow us to come to that place of full dependence on God. Joseph shed a lot of tears in his experiences. But in all of them, it brought him to a fuller dependence on God. Verse 31. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Egypt have come to me, and the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. So it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? 
that you shall say your servant's occupation has been with livestock from from our youth even till now, both we and also our fathers, that we may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Interesting verse here. But it shows Joseph's continued wisdom in his counseling of his family in serving Pharaoh. The Egyptians, for some reason, were not fond of shepherds. In fact, they they held them in contempt. But Joseph counseled his his family, his brothers, to say that their occupation was not only shepherds, but also in livestock, cattle. And in doing that, presenting their, their talents, which everything that Joseph said was was true. They were shepherds, and they also had experience with, with cattle. Well, the their usefulness to Pharaoh as cattlemen was something that was going to be needed, and Joseph knew that. And so he he gives two reasons. He says, tell them that you're in livestock, but that you're shepherds. The fact that they had skills in be in livestock made them useful to Pharaoh. But the fact that they were shepherds and the Egyptians looked down on them and didn't want to mingle with them, that allowed them to go to the land of Goshen, which was perfect for cattle and shepherd or, and for sheep. But it was also separate from most of the Egyptians. And so, uh, again, it was a wise choice. Be useful to Pharaoh and yet be separate where God can continue to multiply the, the people of Israel to become that great nation that God said that they would become, that they would be unhindered by the Egyptians. And so Joseph's wisdom just continues to, to manifest itself. He didn't lie, but he emphasized the right thing for the right reasons. The isolation of Jacob's family would allow them to grow and to multiply from 70 to 400 years later to be about 2 million because they were in the land of Goshen and separate from from the Egyptians. It would allow them to remain relatively pure as a separated people unto God, which was going to be necessary. So all these things, we you know, we read the history here, we read these chapters and we see these details, and, and you say, well, that's a nice story. But every detail is God simply executing his plan and his purpose as he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when we look back on our life, I hope that we have that same appreciation for how God has directed every step of our life, even before we knew him or wanted anything to do with him. And for some that were saved later or came to to yield their life to the Lord later on in life, even then, when you were not saved and when you weren't seeking God, God was already in your steps to bring you to that place where you would have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus and to surrender your will to his will. God ordered all of those steps, and he's still doing it. And so when we look at, again, the the past, we need to look at the present as well and to know that whatever you're going through now, it's still the faithfulness of God if you're looking to him in faith. Understand he hasn't abandoned you. He didn't abandon Joseph. He didn't abandon Jacob. When at times it looked like he did, but he didn't. He continued to order his steps. 
and he will do so in the future. And this is how we need to look at our life, past, present, and future. I don't know what tomorrow holds. Just from the human standpoint, tomorrow looks pretty scary to me. Not only from a worldwide and countrywide perspective, that, that looks really scary when you look at the world, but even looking at my own life, I don't know what tomorrow holds. And as we get older, the, those concerns and those anxieties, they become real. But God's still God. The God that was faithful to me in my youth. I can tell you time and time again how God worked in my life. But the God of my youth is still my God. He's still watching over me. He still has an eternal plan and purpose for me. So when we look to, to God in faith, he will direct our steps. I think we'll close with Proverbs Three, verses 5 to 10. Familiar proverb. I hope it's familiar. But may it not just be a verse that we've memorized. May this truly be how we live our life. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, but what about this? What about this part of my life? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not into your own understanding. That's a tough one. I think I know what's best. Well, do you? You don't. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, not just your church life, your family life, every aspect of your your life, your existence, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, Know that you don't have what it takes. You are not wise enough. You are not intelligent enough to run your own life successfully. And the sooner you learn that, the better off you're going to be. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Stand in awe of him and depart from evil. And it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now those material promises were promised to the nation of Israel, to his earthly people. But when we come to the New Testament, we understand that we also have promises of prosperity, true prosperity, not necessarily material, though God does bless and overbless us even in this age. But we will have everything we need for life and for eternity is the New Testament promise, if we will do what we're instructed here in Proverbs. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Turn your life over to him. Every area, your possessions, everything you are, everything you own, Lord, it's for your glory. Life is over so quickly, but we have the promise of eternity because we serve that eternal God yesterday, today, and forever. We'll close there this evening.